If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm going to drop you right into it. You're a busy Singaporean parent and like a lot of other Singaporeans, it's very unfortunate but you don't really have a choice. You have to hand over your kids to your parents or to a childcare center or your domestic helper. It's fine, it's Singaporean life and you know, you trust them. So now what's the scariest thing that can happen? On 4th May 1991, three-year-old Nicholas Huang's parents, they went home to their flat at Gangsa Road. Initially, they couldn't find their kids or their helper. They walk around and eventually they find their 22-month-old, so almost two-year-old daughter, crying in the helper's room. They investigate further and they find their three-year-old son. He was drowned with his head in a red plastic pail in the bathroom. And according to the official story, their 36-year-old helper, Delia Mamariel Maga, strangled with an elastic cord dead next to him. Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Brief Case. Today, we're looking at the case of Flor Contemplacion. Flor Ramos Contemplacion was born on 7th January 1953 in San Pablo City, Laguna, Philippines. We don't know much about her early life, but we do know that she was Catholic and she eventually got married to Efren Contemplacion. They have four kids, Russell, Sandrax, John John, and Joel. So it's a cute family. So now at that time, the economy was kind of tough. And while we know she worked as a washerwoman, for some time apparently her husband couldn't find a good job or any job really. So like a lot of other Filipinos, she leaves the country in 1988 to work as a domestic helper in Singapore. Nothing unusual about that. And like a lot of other domestic helpers, she makes friends and has her own community. So one of her friends is Delia, Delia Memorial Maga. Delia was born on 6 October 1955, so actually only two years younger than Flor. And her main task was to basically take care of the Huang children, uh, Nicholas and their daughter. And one thing that we know about her is that, like a lot of other people, she kept a diary. So now we know a little bit about Flaw, and we know a little bit about Delia. 
So now one thing is that this case was really controversial when it happened. It was so touchy that like even the Filipino president got involved and it basically destroyed relations between Singapore and Philippines for a while when it happened. So I'm going to start first with what's the official version of the case and what most of the evidence points towards. And then the other version, which is from what I read, what most Filipinos believed happened at that time. So here's the official version. It was Saturday, 4th May 1991. Flo would have been in Singapore for about 3 years or so already. She woke up at 6am in the morning. She mopped her employer's floors and she washed the car. And then after that, she went to find Delia. And from what I could find, Delia was supposedly going back to Philippines on the next day to visit her family on 5th May. Flor handed Delia the package of items that she wanted her to bring back to Flor's parents. But Delia carried the package and then she refused because she said that her bag was already too heavy and this was a large package. Honestly, yeah, probably last time they also had a luggage weight limit, you know? So Flor gets upset, she gets angry. She comes up behind Delia while Delia is working in the kitchen and then she strangles her with the electric cord and kills her. And after that, she drowns Nicholas by holding him by his arms and pushing his head into a red plastic pail filled with water. And we don't really know why she does this but maybe because he was a witness to her killing Delia. She steals some items from Delia and then leaves the flat. And Nicholas's parents, they come back to this awful, awful scene. The parents call the police, and the police actually find her diary, which references Flaw, including her name and address. And at first, when they speak to Flaw, she gives them an alibi, which turned out to be false. Now that's really suspicious already. And less than a day later, she was arrested. So, officially and what the evidence points to is that this is what happened now there is another version which also had pretty intense allegations on what happened now this particular version was interesting it was given by two people the first is another domestic worker who overheard this while working for the dad's brother so nicholas huang's uncle the second was also from an affidavit given by Flaw's fellow prison inmate. And I, I, I don't know what you call it. Prison friend? Prison colleague? Prison acquaintance? Alright, so this is what, according to them, happened on that day. Allegedly, on that day, while Delia was supposed to be looking after Nicholas, he had an epileptic fit. And when that happens, you lose control, and he ended up drowning. And when his parents came home, Nicholas' dad, he saw his body and he flew into a rage and kills Delia. So this version alleges that Nicholas's dad and not Flaw was the one to kill her. In this case, Flaw was supposedly conveniently used as a scapegoat. Looking at all of this, I feel like one of the biggest pieces of evidence put forth was actually Flaw's confession. The other thing though is that while she did admit to the double murder, she also said that she felt sick during that time while, while it was happening and that she didn't feel like she had any control at all. 
So the trial started on 26 January 1993 in Singapore's High Court. And during one of the days in the trial, she actually said that this admission, this confession, was under duress. Basically, she alleged that the police forced her to say that they beat her up. And from the same affidavit, remember her prison bro, her prison friend? She apparently also confessed to her fellow prison inmate that in addition to beating her up, they drugged her and they gave her electroshock treatment. And another thing to note is that in that same statement, she also said that Delia immediately called the dad when Nicholas drowned from the fit. But the other thing is if this was true, like that Delia did call the dad first when Nicholas died. I mean, I don't know how the police worked in 1990s, but I feel like this is probably something that they would have been able to check with phone records and stuff like cell towers. So during the initial trial, there also wasn't medical evidence introduced, only on later appeal. The defense, Flaw's lawyers, during an appeal, they submitted evidence that she had a partial complex seizure or like a special kind of epileptic fit when it happened. And the prosecution, they were like, nah, the most that she had, the most that she had on that day was a migraine. The prosecution really, really went after the prison friend because she was in jail for prostitution. Floss fellow inmate was in jail for prostitution. And I don't really know what it has to do with, but apparently it does because there was this article which states, are we to believe that if Flaw Contemplacion felt that she was innocent, she would choose to say so only to a prostitute in prison? In the end, she was found guilty and sentenced to death. And this is when relations between Singapore and Philippines, it really, really went downhill. So during the trial, the Filipino government, they had, um, according to the press, minimal support for Flaw. Like they only started coming in and they only started speaking out closer to Flaw's execution date. And Filipinos were mad. A lot of people thought that she was either innocent and being used as a scapegoat, or even if she did it, like not carrying somebody's parcel to Philippines, that's not a valid reason. If she did do it, she was she was medically unsound, like extenuating circumstances. And they weren't just angry with the Singaporean justice system. They At the time, they thought that the Singaporean justice system didn't have any compassion at all. They were also angry because they felt like their own government did so little to protect its own citizens. And apparently, the consulate, the Filipino consulate, they didn't even send anyone to court during the trial. And I mean, I get it. It would have felt like she was very alone in this foreign country with this these court proceedings that she didn't understand. And when she was in jail, she was only visited by the consulate, like consular representatives, nine times over four years. Okay, but granted, the consulate, the Filipino consulate in Singapore in 1990s, it only had 15 people and they were overstretched. At that time, they had something like 60,000 overseas Filipino workers in Singapore that they were keeping an eye on. Eventually, the Filipino Secretary of Foreign Affairs and Secretary of Labor and Employment, they were forced to resign. There was protest on protest on protest in both Singapore and Philippines. 
in Philippines, they protested the Singapore embassy. They piled all the Singaporean flags together. I saw videos and they just set them on fire. And even the Alex Bonkayao Brigade, I, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, a Filipino terrorist communist group. They threatened both Singapore and Filipino officials. That's how crazy it got. So, Flaw appealed twice. And during each appeal, it got pretty wild. Like, from what I read, they brought in rumors that she had bouts of insanity as a child. And they had a traditional doctor, I'm guessing, like, a Bomo, say that she was possessed by the devil. So, both of these claims were actually denied by her mom. Her mom was like, oh, what's this? It's not true. And there was also a fair point from the Singaporean official statement. Flaw never actually denied it again, apart from the initial accusation that the confession was under duress during the first trial. And the idea is that if she was going to protest for her innocence, why didn't she during the four years that she was in prison? Why was the only person that she ever told this to her prison mate and maybe not her family or maybe not her lawyers or any of the consular representatives and eventually even the president of philippines at that time president fidel ramos he did step in to ask for a stay of execution directly from singapore's president at the time on president ong ting chong and this was turned down and so floor was hung on 17th march 1995 at Changni Women's Prison and Drug Rehabilitation Center. This made her into a symbol. The Philippines' first lady, she actually went to receive her body, along with thousands and thousands of Filipinos that lined Flor's route home. The government also offered some financial help to the family, and she was she was basically considered a heroine. Like I think two or three movies were made about this. And she became a representation of all these women who left their homes to support their families in foreign countries. Diplomatically, the relationship between Singapore and Philippines, for lack of a better word, went to shit. So Philippines pulled out its ambassador to Singapore, pulled its ambassador to Singapore, and Singapore recalled its Filipino ambassador. So now there's no ambassadors either way. And at the point of time, Prime Minister Go Chok Long was supposed to visit Manila, and that was cancelled. All joint naval exercises cancelled. And the president even had like a commission, the Filipino president had a commission to look into this case and even threatened to sever ties with Singapore. Yeah. But eventually what happened is that both countries worked together to conduct autopsies on Dahlia's body and it supported the findings of the prosecution. But only after this re-examination, they started to work on this relationship again. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Briefcase. Sorry, it's a little bit late. The case of Law Contemplacion. So what do you guys think really happened? You can reach us at abriefcasepodcast.com, on Instagram at abriefcasepodcast, and do join us next week for another brief case. <laughs>